Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Hey, everyone. This is Adam Justice, and I have exciting news for you. My theater is done. At least that's the intro I wish I could have made on this episode, but it's not really done. But it is darn close. This week, TJ and Richard joined me at my home in Illinois to help me get my theater up and running. On today's episode, we talk about the issues we ran into, external factors that got in the way of progress, and the ups and downs of the week we just had. Where did we end up? Stay tuned to find out. Hey everyone, I'm Richard Gunther from the Digital Media Zone. Welcome to The Smart Home Show. I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host Adam Justice from ConnectSense. Hey, Adam. But not as usual, because we're actually in person. I know, right. And we brought a friend. We did. We brought um, TJ Huddleston. You've heard from this guy before? I've definitely been around. You know, we've had the the fireside chat and uh, the, the fourth installment of this uh, series here. So maybe you've uh, you've heard my voice before. And of course, he's here because we are at Adams as we complete the week of setting up his home theater. This is the fourth of our series of episodes focused around Adams Home Theater, and we're going to catch up on where we are, what still needs to be done. Some general first impressions, probably from all of us. And I think it's going to be a fun episode. But as always, we got to start with a question. So my question is for Richard and for TJ. Do you ever plan on building a home theater yourself? Like of my own. Yeah. Not just for friends. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. I would love to do this. And it's funny you ask this because my partner and I have been talking about this more frequently now that home theaters are in the conversation a little bit more because of you, Adam. And I'm an expensive and bad influence. Yeah, well, we are on each other, so that's okay. But I'm torn right now because I do want a home theater at some point in my home. And I think the question is, is this the home? Like, am I in the house where I want to invest that much time and expense to get something just right. I mean, we know it's not our forever home, but at the same time, well, we'll talk about some reasons, but I have home theater envy now, Adam. Yeah. So I am interested in doing it. I will do it at some point, I believe. The question is when, and eh, it may be sooner than later. Edward's been actually talking about, why don't we just go ahead and do that? And like, you just don't have... A good understanding of what all is entailed. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how much you're going to have to drop on it. I mean, we, we won't get into Adam specifically, but home theaters in, in general are quite expensive. Um, and that's just, you know, talking about the hardware itself to, to make everything work, not even the furniture or the, the finishings, the everything else that goes into a theater. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I think we know your answer. And we're going to talk more about that today. This one, Adam. (laughs) Yes, I plan on it. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine so. I hope so. 
But uh, TJ, how about you for yourself? You know, you do this for your clients, but would you ever build a home theater for yourself in your own home at some point? Yeah, I think I would. I, I think I'm kind of on the same thought process that you're on right now, Richard, where uh, this probably isn't my forever home. And I know that for sure. And so putting... So that's a big probably. Yeah. So putting the money into a home theater for this house is, is not going to happen. But I could see it happening in the future just because it is nice having a dedicated space to, to watch movies and TV shows and everything. And you can't really compete with the audio. You know, I have a, I have some decent, you know, Sonos speakers and stuff around the house. But as we've uh, all heard here today, that is uh, it, nothing in comparison to what an actual home theater can do. I think that's what's missing the most for me is the audio portion. The video portion of a home theater is always really nice, but the audio is what really makes it for me. And, uh, you know, I'd, I would want to have a large space for that. To get you there, though, I think we really need to talk about business tax strategy it's got to be a business expense. It's a demo room. You could bring clients there. Like that's how I'd be thinking. There's a lot of ways for you since you're in this business to spin it. And you could have a space that you use personally, but also could use like as a way to show people things and stuff like that. So yeah, a completely legit business expense. I mean, yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, and that's what all the technology in the house is currently is it's all, you know, it's, it's basically my, showroom at the moment so that way I can show, you know, new clients or existing clients kind of what's possible with automation. Because a lot of times when people think of home automation, they think very basic, you know, controlling your lights or setting up timers and, and that kind of thing. But there's a lot more that goes into home automation than those very basic things. And so that's what the, the current house is. It, it's kind of evolved into a showroom. So I am curious, does your wife think of it as a showroom or does she think of it as a test lab? Um, so everything is everything is very usable. Um, okay. Nothing's unstable. Um, and, and the wife fully loves everything that I do for technology in the house. I've not installed anything and she's like, that's awful. Or she just thinks of ways that she can improve it or that she can use it. And so luckily I have the, the full blessing of the of the wife with that part. I don't bring anybody to the house to show off the technology, but I make, you know, various videos and, and photos and stuff like that that I right. then post to the business page and, and stuff like that. So yep. luckily nobody's coming over to the house or anything. <laughs> Yet. Yet. <laughs> yeah. All right. Very good. Well, if you want to submit a question for us to open the show with, you can send us a question with the hashtag Ask Adam and Richard or send it to us at feedback at smarthome.fm. All right. So... As I mentioned, we are here at Adam's home, and this was the week of the theater technology installation. Actually, the full basement and theater technology installation. And this is Friday. We've pretty much done all that can be done at this point. So, Adam, when TJ got here on Sunday night, Monday, what was the state of things? So probably about a week and a half ago, I sat down with our general contractor to just like level with me on where things are at because they, for a long time, had a schedule in their app and that like vanished a couple weeks ago. So I'm like, I don't even see a schedule. So I'm just going off what I saw last, which like we should have been done this week. 
on the last schedule I saw. Well, that ain't, that ain't there. So the state of things was they had not painted yet, um, which we will talk about in some of our challenges. And, you know, the carpeting is not in yet. It's getting there. Like, it's really starting to get real in the last two weeks. But we're definitely not as far along as we originally hoped we would be when we were doing this work. But the best news when I talked to him was we didn't think there was anything that was going to materially impact anything we were doing this week. But he also told me that they were going to come in and paint on Sunday. They've been here painting all week. And particularly, we really needed them to paint the theater before we could do a lot of what we needed to do this week. So Tuesday, you know, we were getting some work done and the painter showed up and we said, like, can we get the theater painted today? Uh, And at that point, we had cut in a couple speakers like we had done a little bit of work in there and they were like, yeah. And it seemed like they were going to start painting in there immediately. And so, you know, TJ wanted to spend some time in Chicago while he was here. Uh, And I was like, if they're going to start painting, you should just go do Chicago now because there's not much we can do while they're doing that. Well, they didn't start painting till like four or five o'clock and super thankful they did a great job. And they were here until like eight or nine o'clock that night and they knocked it all out and it was ready for us the next day. So that was amazing. But we probably could have stayed and gotten some more work done. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, it all worked out in the end. And this is not an easy space to paint either because it's a, by design, no window space and you're painting it a dark color. So the more you paint, the harder it is to see in there. (laughs) Right. So that they got that all knocked out. Was that both trim and walls or had they already done the trim work? Trim and walls all that day. Yeah. Uh, And then we did run into a little bit of headaches, literally headaches on Wednesday because they were also spraying. So there was some time where we couldn't even be down there because they were spraying, all had masks on, stuff like that. So it was literally like heavy fumes in the basement. Those were probably our biggest hurdles. You know, when we talk about what didn't get done this week, and largely because of this too, was we didn't touch anything by the bar hanging the TV and the Sonos and stuff there because they hadn't painted there yet. And because of how they do inspections here, the inspectors don't want any TVs on the wall because they want to get to all the electrical to test electrical. So we weren't going to be able to put the TV up anyways. So it just kind of made sense to punt that whole part of the project for this week because it's just not the space isn't ready for that yet. So what I ultimately did, we had to kind of do something, I guess, a little bit atypical because of having TJ out here to do the project. I had the normal guy that our basement people work with do all the pre-wire. And, you know, TJ actually had some good feedback, you know, that he did a good job and what the way they left it, you know, it was in a pretty good state. We didn't have any major issues with what they put in. You know, there was only one wire we weren't sure was there until we finally found it. So ultimately, I just will probably I'm going to have them do the uh, hang up the TV and uh, put in the Sonos 
so that was an easy thing to to put off. Now, you mentioned a delay in the carpeting arriving, given that the painting hadn't been done, that couldn't have been put in yet anyway, but is that the only like supply chain issue or or yeah, delivery I, issue you're dealing with? I don't even think it's a delivery thing. It's just one of the last things they do. So because they're not done with painting or like finishing and all that kind of stuff, they're not going to put the carpet in yet. So that's probably not going to go in for another week, week and a half. So that also limited what we could do kind of in some of the, the final stuff too. We can't fully calibrate everything. We can't calibrate all the sound. Uh, can't put the theater chairs in there. So some of that is a bummer, but it's not really a big deal. I think we got all the big stuff done that we needed to get done. It was funny when you and I were texting back and forth at the end of last week. I think it was Friday evening. And you were asking me, so what color do you think we should paint the ceiling? I'm like, wait, what? This isn't done yet? <laughs> wait, and wait, you haven't picked paint yet? But you had picked paint and you just weren't sure if you wanted to go all dark or if you wanted to keep it light. We got Owen into that conversation. And I I think between you, me, and Owen, and TJ, I don't remember if you weighed in on this one or not, but we went with a slightly lighter shade than your dark slate blue wall color that looks great. Yeah. It was already a color we had for the basement. And so it was kind of a natural throw in the mix. I was a little bit concerned about making the room too, too dark, but it was definitely the right choice. And I think we're still going to change a couple things. So we, we, we left all the trim white. And I think just through our limited testing this week, um, we've decided that at least the trim closest to the screen all probably needs to be that same blue that most of the walls are. Um, we're going to do the same for the back of the doors that are sort of near the front of the room. But yeah, I'm happy with the colors. I think it turned out well. And um, yeah. That was the other thing that was entertaining. I think it was then Sunday. You're saying... Do you think the trim should stay white or should that I'm, again? I'm like, wait, it's not. <laughs> yeah. We had a meeting with the builder on Friday. And so while we had picked all the colors, I guess we hadn't decided what was going where. Like yeah. I, I also thought that was decided more or less. Like a lot of that stuff happened a while ago, but you know, I guess some of the details were still had to be figured out. So. Yep. All right. So TJ, you, Got here Sunday afternoon, Monday. You're looking around and trying to figure out what to tackle first. Kind of run us through some of the highlights of the work that you did while you were here. And it wasn't just limited to the theater. It was also the technology and the rec room space, the speakers and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, so I have to be honest. If if I showed up and this is a normal client, I probably would have said I'll see you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> uh, just because, you know, when you install this stuff, I mean, a lot of the stuff is very expensive and it's very delicate. So installing it all before, you know, people paint or before they, they do the carpet and stuff like that usually isn't ideal because then you're getting stuff dirty and you're you're risking, you know, the chance of damaging it and everything. Didn't really have that luxury with, with right. this job, you know, driving six hours away. We chugged along and we got a lot of it done. 
the first day was spent, you know, kind of just doing basic stuff, doing, you know, the rack build and, and putting all the stuff in the rack and getting the, uh, other speakers in the basement installed so there's like a there's a dual voice coil speaker in the arcade there's one in the the lounge or entertainment room and then there's two for surround sound for the bar and so I was able you know by the end of Monday we, we were listening to music in, the, in those areas stuff was starting to come alive and, and we were getting there we pretty much lost all of Tuesday and half of Wednesday Tuesday you know I think we did something for like an hour and that was about it Wednesday, we might have worked for like a half day, um, just doing, you know, cutting speakers in and, and stuff like that. Thursdays where stuff started really happening. You know, we got all the actual speakers installed in the theater. Richard and Adam worked on getting the actual screen installed while I worked on the projector. And, it, you know, it all came together very nicely. So what, what other kind of surprises did we find on Thursday, though? We also had to take some road trips. Yeah. Yeah, we had to. <laughs> Uh, unbeknownst to me, when you buy a projector mount, uh, specifically a chief one, I know, I know some of them are different, but the, the chief one did not come with the $20 bracket that actually mounts to the ceiling. It, it came with a little, uh, threaded pipe adapter. It came with the, the mount for the actual projector, but to mount to the ceiling, for some reason, they did not include that in the box. Yeah. The, the mounting part of the mount yeah. doesn't come with the mount. The, the, like one of the more important parts, you know, cause if you don't have that part, you can't do anything. So we, we did have to take a, a road trip to uh, ABT. That was really nice. Uh, we got to see some nice, fun gadgets and, and spend a lot of money. So that was good. So, yeah, for, for those listeners that don't know, uh, ABT is on about an hour north of where I live. It's like a electronics mega world. You know, electronics, appliances, theater, TVs, you name it. Richard was in love. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how to describe this place except that it looks like it's a very small community, one anchor store mall, except it's not a mall. The whole thing is one store. <laughs> it's just crazy. There's like a man cave department slash shop. There's a Viking wolf cove shop. There's a Thermidor shop, all actually part of this same store in this large combined physical space. Oh, plus the home theater that you could have built, not including the building part for a mere half a million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Their demo theater there is ridiculous mm-hmm. and they have a price list of what it would cost. So. I, I don't think I've ever seen so many, uh, uh, Macintosh amplifiers in one area that that room was just packed full of them. Yeah. So it was a fun field trip and you know, Thankfully, like we're lucky to have that place in the Chicagoland area because we might have not had what we needed for a couple of days to ship it. So the fact that we were able to just drive there, which also was fun and pick up what we needed for the projector, allowed us to get done what we needed to get done. Yeah, and that's that's an important lesson on on having enough time for jobs as well. Because if if we wouldn't have had a, a wasted day on Tuesday and partially Wednesday, we probably would have realized that problem a little sooner and then been able to actually get the part shipped to us and not spend as much money. So that, that is why you start your projects early because you never know what you're going to need. Yeah. Always get some, some surprises along the way. Another challenge we had is that we didn't actually have electricity yet. Yeah. So um, earlier in the week, 
the electrician was in and we had asked him, all right, we need one outlet in the storage area behind the theater room, which is where all the rack stuff is going. Got that one done just fine. And then uh, we need the outlet over the projector. He didn't do that. So then later the general contractor was in and he's like, that's fine. I'll just put it in. Well, there was no electrical to the whole room other than the lights that are in there. And he calls the guy and figures out, oh, well, that's because the breaker for the theater room is not in yet. And it's like, dude, just explain to us. I can understand if it's a bigger job than you have time to do right now, but communicate with us. So we did have to run an extension cord from where we did have power for now, um, which was totally fine. It allowed us to get what we needed done in the theater and, you know, get some basic tests in. But yeah, that was another little curveball that was thrown our way. The other thing that I think, looking back over the last 48 hours or so, we amongst us all had a ton of digital assets pointing out where stuff was cut in or, you know, where the wires were dropped, where the studs were. And it was kind of scattered all over the place. Yeah. And I don't think any of us did a very good job of trying to pull that all together before the moments when we exactly needed to know where is it in this wall and where is it in this wall. So when I was working on the mounting brackets for the screen, I was challenged to know where I might find a stud. And because of the placement of your speakers and the subsequent accommodation in placing the studs to accommodate redundantly the size of those speakers, it's not a standard 14 or 16 inch gap between your studs. Yeah, something I really wanted to do, I, I have an Insta360 camera, which I showed off to TJ, and now I'm a bad friend because he's going to want one. But I had planned on taking the 360 camera in the theater and taking video and walking around everywhere, which would have been super helpful. Mm-hmm. But the, the drywall just got thrown up too quickly before I could capture all that. So while we did have some pictures, they were from various stages of the project Yep. at various things. And there was no real like final pictures or video. So yeah, if we were doing this again, I would have taken the pre-war guys actually did send us some pictures with, you know, measurements in it and stuff like that. I would have taken video and photos with tape measures in them and stuff like that. And yep. That would have been really helpful, but we made it work. Totally. Funny enough, this morning, as I was looking through some stuff, I found more pictures that were much more clear than those that you and I were working off of to try to figure out where the studs were. We eventually found studs, but uh, yeah, that, that was a little bit challenging, I think. And while we're talking about the walls, I know we've discussed this, but we've also discussed this from the perspective of people in the industry who are familiar with this. And I don't know once you saw this all go up, Adam, if you really understood, well, until you saw it go up, just the mechanics and complexity of your wall system. Right. The soundproofing that I asked for. (laughs) You have, (laughs) 
you have insulated walls that are constructed with, I believe, six inch, so two by sixes, maybe, if not two by eights. Something they're, like that. They're pretty deep. And then you basically have both on the woods, on the, on the walls and the ceiling. And then on the ceiling, you have crossbars of wood that go across. And then across all of the studs on the walls, you have these metal brackets. rails, brackets, yeah. that essentially extend the surface away from the studs that the wallboard is going to adhere to. Right. So that isolates the drywall from the studs so that it reduces the vibration and sound that passes through there. Yep. They put on those brackets. They put on one layer of drywall. Then they put on the green glue that we've talked about. And again, one one layer of drywall that's like an inch and a half, two inches away from the actual wall. Yeah. And then, uh, then green glue and then a second layer of drywall. So actually some of the challenges we ran into were things like having screws long enough to get through to studs or, you know, getting <laughs> right. stuff through. Like it's a lot of material to work with. You know, the other one that I think I talked about a little bit on the last episode, but, you know, I had measured out all of the studs and made sure we had spaces for all the speakers, but I didn't know that there were vertical crossbars. And so I was telling TJ early in the week, like the thing I was most nervous about was we were going to cut into the wall where a speaker was going to go and we were going to run into some of those crossbars. Thank goodness we did not. Yeah. And everything worked out fine. And I think the pre-wire guys did tell them some things that needed to move and helped with that. But until we opened the walls, we didn't really know what was going to happen there. Yep. So thankfully that all worked out. I think the 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 soundproofing is probably the most uh, challenging part of this project. Um, not the actual installation, because I wasn't involved with that, but just dealing with it in, in the aftermath. You know, like, for example, the bolts to hold up the projector, I think, are, what, four or five inches long or something, or even longer than yeah, that. Yeah, six or seven. Yeah, I mean, they're super long. And it's just, it, and cutting in the speakers was a bit of a pain, because you're, you're cutting through two layers of drywall, and you have to get it just right. And so I think that was probably my most challenging thing, is just the, the constant reminder that this is not a, a typical installation. A, a typical installation the super thick drywall and, and the bracing and everything like that just added on to the complexity of it um, but obviously it also helped out with the, the the good sound that that we're getting now yeah and i guess i will comment on that as we've done a little bit of testing i think the soundproofing is a win uh you know we don't even have carpet in there but just doing a little bit of testing and hearing like yes you can tell that there is a movie playing downstairs that is fine, but you can't hear it very much. There is not a lot of vibration. The main thing we were concerned about, like, you know, if there are children sleeping upstairs or something like that, is a movie going to bother them? And I think we did what we needed to do and mission accomplished on that one. So I'm really happy with where we ended up. You know, we also talked about, you know, with the builder and various people along the way, Let's say this is the 90% solution to get to that next 10%. 
becomes very, very expensive. Yeah, right. And so I think, you know, it's a really good place where we landed on this, and I'm happy with the end result. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I want to go back to those walls one more time, because the other thing that I found fascinating about this, and I hadn't anticipated this, your electrical outlets and boxes and junctions and everything are also far recessed behind where the wall board is. Usually when you install a junction box on a stud, it extends by half an inch. That half an inch is level with the wall board that goes on that stud. And so your junction box is right there flush with the edge of your wall. These junction boxes are at least three inches back from the surface of the wall. Yeah. You know, TJ mentioned this was his first time dealing with kind of this level of soundproofing. It was also our builder's first time kind of doing this level of soundproofing. So I think it's been a learning experience for everybody. And, you know, they said all of those boxes are going to need extensions to to get the finishing done. <laughs> yes, they Quite will. Big extensions yeah. like that. Yeah. So I think there's a plan in place there. But yeah, it's uh, it's been a learning experience for for everybody. And, you know, the guy that did the drywall is like, yeah, I mean, I learned a lot. And, you know, I guess they they sell you the brackets, but they don't sell you the right screws. And so he had to drive 45 minutes to get the right screws and all kinds of uh, things. So I think it's been a learning experience for all parties involved. Something else I think that wall affords, though, is some flexibility in your wiring. Since those junction boxes aren't flush against the wall and you actually have a gap between the wall and the studs and insulation, if at some point you wanted to make some changes, you wanted to add another sconce on the wall or you wanted to add another speaker or whatever, getting wire in there is a heck of a lot easier now than it might have been otherwise. We're not adding anything for a while. <laughs> well, maybe not right <laughs> not, away. Not until yeah. next month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anything else on some of the challenges? You talked a little bit about the projector. I know the image is just amazing. I am so envious of the screen that... You and I were putting together. Yeah, let's talk about the screen a little bit. So um, it was a Snapdragon screen. Mm. The Snap Dragon uh, Snap AV Dragonfly. Dragonfly. I knew it was something. The Acousta Weave series. So that way, the the front speakers are all behind the screen, and and the screen doesn't block the sound or anything. So we have those two giant uh, SVS in wall subwoofers behind the screen, as well as three Klipsch. I think they're THX eight thousand series. Uh, speakers behind it as well yeah which all sound awesome by the way (laughs) the subs are so big it's crazy like you know you see them online and you look at the dimensions and everything like that and and you can kind of picture it but it's not until you actually get them installed and you hear them that you realize how big they are yeah they're awesome so yeah so we uh so richard and i um while tj was working on the projector got to um really appreciate tj and the work he does and uh, the complexity that goes into putting together a screen of that size. We did end up with a 145-inch screen. And so, you know, that had its own set of challenges. We had to lay down uh, moving blankets and cloths and everything. We had to get all of that 
bracket together, a lot of measuring on getting the brackets in the right place and kind of centering it on the wall right. We got the bracket together and then kind of tested, you know, where it was and that the brackets were all lined up. That was a lot of Richard's adventure of getting those brackets in the right place. (laughs) Yeah. And then, you know, just the screen kind of goes on and you attach these springs to it to stretch it all out and then get it all mounted. So that was a multi-hour process to get that baby together and and up on the wall. So um, And that was both of us working on that. So, you know, I said to TJ, you do this all by yourself? <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I usually put them together and in- install them all by myself. I, m- I might get help with a projector or something like that. But yeah, those, those screens are, are usually a one-man job. Wow. I will say I was a little bit challenged just trying to figure out how it all worked. The instructions are, uh, well, let's see. It's a, we spent... Something like maybe a total of four hours, three to four hours working on that. And the instructions are three pages. Right. When TJ said, you know, obviously he had experience with this. There were multiple things that he just knew from experience that were not in the instructions. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, so if if you've installed Snap AV screens, you know what I'm talking about. But a lot of people probably haven't. And Two of the most annoying things are uh, there's basically two brackets that actually hold the screen to the wall. So you get it all put together. You get the the screen material on there and everything. And then there's basically these two, I don't know, what would you call them? Kind of like Z clips or something like that. Not not necessarily Z clips, but similar fashion. Yeah. Um, you get the top one on and then you have to space out the bottom one just right. And of course, the measurement they give you, is I, I think it's in millimeters or something like that which I don't know anybody that has proper millimeter measuring tools like on a normal job site. You have a, you know, you have a tape measure that does inches and, and centimeters and that's it. And it's some obnoxious measurement. I don't remember what it is, like 85 and 85.57 millimeters. Or <laughs> The 0.57 is still in my head. That just kills me, <laughs> right? Like you couldn't come up with something just a little bit less ridiculous than that. But yeah, it all went up and it, it all looks great. I, you know, one of the things that Owen commented on when he saw the picture and this, I think is one of the most stunning attributes of the theater visually in its current state is how, when you're in there, that screen kind of becomes the whole full wall. It's right. not exactly, it's pretty close. It's like 90%. I was going to say, pretty much takes up the whole wall. <laughs> I think it would be safe. Nobody would would uh, would correct you if you said it took up the whole wall. Let's just say there was no bigger size to put in there. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the max. That is correct. Yeah, yeah. And that gives that space just such an incredibly immersive feel. Like you're looking out the end of the room at whatever you're watching. And we can't even turn off all the lights yet either. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can, but you don't have a door on the theater. So yeah. that kind of yeah, doesn't help any. <laughs> they didn't put the door back on yet. Yeah. All kinds of light going in right now. Not yet. You want to talk about the audio a little bit? I know you've mentioned the subwoofers and, and the sound, but you shared pictures of your kids dancing to the music down there. And we haven't even really heard the system calibrated yet because you can't right without the furniture and right the so we don't have, we don't have carpet yet the back bar is not done yet 
you know, so it really didn't make any sense to calibrate for sound yet because the room isn't done yet. You know, we don't have doors on there. Can't do any of that yet. So um, that'll be in, in my camp in a couple of weeks when everything's done and get everything in there. So, I mean, the fact that it sounds pretty great already has me even more excited that like I've seen what basic calibration does. And um, I think both TJ and I were pretty impressed with the Anthem receiver and kind of the experience we've seen so far. Um, Cause I've always been a Denon guy myself. So once we get some calibration in that thing, I think it's going to shine. The, uh, the Denon products look like, uh, like vintage uh, record players compared to the Anthem receiver. I mean, the, if, if you've never seen an Anthem receiver, it's just, it's got a very nice display on it and it just looks like a very premium device. And, and that's because it is, it is not a cheap device by any means, but it's, it's nicer than your typical AV receiver. Um, and it just it, it has a lot of functions built into it. And, you know, even just using the the display on the receiver to change settings is nice to do. Um, usually you have like one line on a receiver. And so you go there and you adjust the audio and then you, you don't know what all the other options are because you, you can't see them because the screen's not big enough. So this one this one is very nice and you're able to see everything and it's, it just has a ton of integrations. Well, and we didn't even get into the calibration, but that's done on a Mac or a PC laptop too. So, I mean, it's not even like it's all software that's on the device. Like they are throwing that off to a real computer to do that heavy lifting. So I think that'll be, you know, we talked about this is episode four. You know, we'll probably have one more episode with the, the whole gang on here, but definitely I can talk about that once once we get that experience done. So we, we've talked about, some of the things that are remaining to do. You mentioned the back bar. In that case, you're talking about the seated bar area at the back of the theater where you will have stools. The stools have come in. Yes. And the projector is directly kind of above that space. Shh, don't tell Owen. Don't (laughs) tell Owen that the projector is above that space. Yeah, hopefully he doesn't listen to the show. (laughs) I don't want to say that. Anyway... (laughs) So overall, that structure is there, but it still needs to be surfaced. It doesn't have drywall on it yet. It doesn't have the countertop on it yet. That, I think, is happening this coming week. Right. We were talking with your contractor, and that's the next thing they plan to do in there. Okay. So that's coming. Then you'll have the electrical, I imagine. Yeah, so they're going to put in all the outlets they need to put in all the lighting too. So we yep. have no can lights, any of that stuff in. You got those two sweet light bulbs that yeah. are just hanging yeah, out of the ceiling right now. Light bulbs right now. <laughs> all the light switches. So I'm actually traveling, doing some scouting here in the upcoming weeks. So I had to go through my light switches and create a map and key for the general contractor. So he would know to put the right light switches in the right place, all that kind of stuff. So that'll be kind of fun that, I get to go away for a little bit and it's definitely going to be even more transformed um, by the time I get home. And then, yeah, we got all of our seats. Um, they're in my garage. There's some big boxes there, um, <laughs> but we don't have anywhere to put them right now. So, And the carpeting has to happen before they can go down, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. We'll probably wait till they're done, done down there. Then we'll haul those seats down there and I'm a little bit nervous about how heavy they're going to be and how we're going to get them down there, but we'll figure it out. And worst case, we'll 
hire movers or something. Definitely a job for movers, in my opinion. Yeah. I'm not going to move those seats. Katie and I are pretty strong. (laughs) So, you know, we'll see. We'll try. We'll see what we can do. For the seats down there, I mean, because there's like a tight corner to get to your basement door. Have you done some measurements? I triple checked all those measurements. Okay. They will fit in the door. Yeah. Before I ordered the seats, I made sure we could get them downstairs. So I'm pretty confident in that. It's just the size and heaviness that has me a little bit nervous. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Worst case, maybe the, you know, so we have, we have this guy that helps. His company is literally called like Pinball, Chicago Pinball Movers. So he helped us move the two pinball machines up to a safe place where they wouldn't get all dusty and ruin them. So, you know, maybe I'll just see if we can use his fancy dolly that climbs stairs to uh, to do some chairs. Be like, all right, give you a couple extra hundred bucks, move all those. So he might be the right person to help there. I did notice that your contractor has hung the brackets for the stair railing. You may want them to take those off. Yeah. Because even if... They're not in the way and they don't obstruct the width that you need. They could be something that you or the chairs themselves could get snagged on or hit against or scrape against on the way down. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. Worst case, we could take that down too. Yeah. Nothing a power screwdriver couldn't handle. Yeah. So with that stuff done then, in theory, theater's done, right? All all good? Yeah, no. (laughs) Is it ever done? I mean, let's be honest. You can you can build a really nice space, but it's just it's never finished. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think uh, I'll let TJ talk a little bit about we we got to a place with the Elon that you know it's all functional. Um, Elon is the control system you're yeah, using. Control system. Um, we're still waiting on my cool remote that isn't shipping yet. So TJ got us set up with the app and so we can do all the basic controls from that and so that's the plan until the remote shows up and you know we got the bulk of that done but you still got some programming still to do there yeah it's mainly just the aesthetics at this point i mean we've gotten to uh, the basic functionality that we can you know turn the theater on and, and control all the sources and adjust the volume one of the nice things about the the anthem receiver too is that it has an, a native integration with the lawn and so we can actually go in there through the Elon system and adjust, you know, sound profiles and, and inputs and all that good stuff. So now it's just, you know, it's it's the, the inner workings of everything and, and making it just look better. But I figured, you know, with the theater not being done and everything, it, it's probably not going to get used a ton just yet. And so I can do all that programmer remotely. Um, and that was one of the big benefits of going with Elon. For home theaters, I usually go with Elon or I go with uh, URC. URC is all right for like a standalone product, but you can't really, unless you get into their higher end stuff, you can't remote in and program things or change things. And so, you know, as Adam starts using the system and figuring out what he wants and everything like that, I can just log in and change things as needed. You don't want to drive six hours every time? Yeah, I don't want to drive six hours and I don't want you to like have to hook up your laptop to like something and download some software in order for me to like do some basic things. So that that part's taken care of and, you know, we're, we're functioning. Everything is working. Yeah, for sure. Oh, and I assume, you know, we're going to probably integrate with our Lutron stuff once that's all in too. So that stuff's not even in the walls yet. So you can't do anything with that. So, yeah, 
it'll get there. You know, I said, I'm assuming probably about a month from now we'll be in a, a finished, finished state and be able to be regularly watching movies down there. So yeah. And, uh, we've had some tech demos from, uh, my wife and the kids and everybody's been, uh, really pleased. You know, last night we, we got to basically a functional state with the projector and sound and my son's sitting at the table, uh, Logan, who's 10, about to turn 11, watching one of the Transformers movies. And I was like, do you want to just go downstairs and watch that? And he was like, yes, <laughs> please. So, you know, he's sitting on a folding chair, you know, with his snacks resting on a box. But he was a happy kid sitting down there watching Transformers. So looking forward to when it's all done, done, you know, fully got the chairs in, all that stuff. Um, we'll get there. Yeah, once you get the switches and stuff installed too, it'll be fun because then we can, you know, we can have the lights turn off whenever you start a movie or or dim to a certain level or turn back on whenever a movie turns off, and and so we can really get into the more fun and the more you know true automation portion of the theater as well. Yeah, all programmable remotely, which is fantastic. Any final thoughts on this episode? No, I don't think so. Are you? I'm happy. Happy? Are you am, tired? Are you frustrated? I was, are you no? I was tired yesterday. <laughs> yesterday was a long day. It was um, very long. But uh, yeah, no, I'm thrilled, and uh, I will say thank you again to both of you for making the trek out here. You know, appreciate the the extra effort and everything you guys have done this week. It's been awesome, and so you know, we're gonna we'll do Richards next. So I told him that's that, right. We're all going to. We're all going to Richard's house here soon, next year or two, I think. If. Remember the opening question, if <laughs> I end up ever create, yeah. We'll, we'll when, when yeah, that no, happens, well, okay. we'll be there. That It just may not be that soon, but yeah. yes, fair enough, fair enough. Peer pressure. <laughs> all right, well, let's take a quick break for sponsors, and then we'll return with a listener question to close out. Everyone says that starting a podcast is easy, but let me tell you, making a podcast is hard work. That's where today's sponsor, Lightning Pod, comes in. If you have a podcast or you want to start one, then you should check them out. They can help you with every step of the podcast production process. We've been working with Lightning Pod founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. Eric currently helps us with editing and copywriting. But he's also available to help your podcast with recording, monetization, website design, and more. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. All experience levels are welcome. So whether you're a veteran podcaster or a total newbie, you should check them out. That's lightningpod.fm. All right. Well, we have a listener question from Corey. And Corey says, I am well entrenched in HomeKit and Lutron devices. The systems work well together in my hands. We need to upgrade the smoke detectors in my home, and I'd like to stay with the first alert system. Could you tell me if it's possible and how to incorporate first alert wireless smoke detectors into the system? Yeah, I don't know if either of you have had experience with the first alert products or not, Adam, I see Nest devices around your home. Yeah, I don't have first alert experience. I think they do. Do they have? They have. No, home they absolutely kit, do. Yep. Have HomeKit devices. Yep, yep. And so, and there's actually a better selection of options now than there was, say, three or four years ago. 
So initially, First Alert was one of the early companies to come out with a HomeKit compatible smoke detector, carbon monoxide detector, and speaker. Yes. It was a combination device. And you may remember they also did one for Google Home and they did one for uh, Amazon's Assistant. So these were, in my opinion, not great speakers and very expensive smoke detectors. They ran, I believe, when they first came out, I think they ran close to $200, if not more, like $230, maybe. Yeah, they were really expensive. And more expensive than the sum of the parts. And we're talking a 10-watt speaker. This is not exactly like, you know, amazing sound system kind of stuff. So it wasn't something I was very excited about. They still do make those. But they also now have a couple other lines. So the things that you want to look for are either the One Link Safe and Sound or the First Alert Smart Smoke and CO Alarm with premium speaker, like I just spoke about. Don't get that one. Or also the Smart Smoke and Carbon Monoxide Alarms. And all of those as smoke and carbon monoxide detectors are compatible with HomeKit. You don't have to do anything with HomeBridge. You don't have to look at Home Assistant or anything like that to link them into your Apple smart home. So, you know, I have had first alert detectors in the past. I think it's a good system. And if you're already happy with that brand, I think you're making a wise decision to stick with that brand and just look for things that are compatible with the ecosystem that you like. I'll offer an alternative perspective. <laughs> so you mentioned that I have Nest Protects in my house. I was definitely early on a HomeKit purist. Everything must be HomeKit. And eventually I kind of let that go. And I will make the argument that certain things don't have to be in that ecosystem. My question I would ask to this person is, what integration do you need for there to be with your smoke detectors? I think smoke detectors is a good example of something that like, I just want the best standalone option there. And the thing that Nest does well is like, if there's smoke, you're gonna get a notification about it. Do you really need to integrate that with HomeKit? You know, is there really a lot that you can do there? I know some of them do have motion sensors and maybe there is some interesting automation you could tie in with that. But, you know, Ring is kind of the other place where I sort of gave up on this. I originally only got the Ring doorbell because they promised HomeKit and that was coming, but that was sort of part of my giving up too. Like my cameras are not connected to HomeKit today. Maybe they will eventually be, you know, in future ecosystem stuff and, and with matter. But for now, those are two areas I just kind of said doesn't really matter for me. Do and I if, get a rebuttal? And if you want to integrate all of it, how would you do that, TJ? <laughs> well, I was actually going to bring it up, but I know Richard's not going to like it. Um, but this is why I use Home Assistant, because with Home Assistant, you can use whatever you want and it doesn't matter. As long as you're a little tech savvy, though, because Home Assistant is kind of a pain to set up and configure. Um, but once you do get it working, it you know it works with everything. 
Um, and I have these, uh, I like the, the connected smoke detectors. I have the, the first alert Z wave smoke and, and CO detectors. And I think they're only like $40 and they work great. Um, I have them set up to send notifications to the wife and I, if you know, something happens, um, but we can basically customize every single part of it, depending on what we actually want out of it. Now I have two rebuttals. I think you're absolutely right about home assistant being able to do all that stuff. I just, even I don't have the patience to set up home assistant and do all the tweaking that I really do think it requires for you to get the proper advantage out of a proper, powerful DIY system like that. I think you have to like doing that. Which yeah. I think you do, you know, some of your co-hosts of your show do. Like, yeah. or, or, you, or you need a podcast where you have the time during the podcast to run the weekly update. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think, I don't know when's the last time you used it, Richard. But, you know, I was basically in the same camp four or five years ago. And I would try it every year just because I kept hearing people suggest it to me all the time. But I would say in the past year or two years, like it's gotten more plug and play. Totally. Where, you know, it finds things and it and it does stuff by itself yep. without intervention. Yep. But there still is like the whole setup and configuring of everything. It's it's not as plug and play as like smart things or, or home kit or something like that. Is. Yeah. And, and I'm not slamming on it by any means. I mean, it's incredibly powerful. I, I think it's great for the audience that it's appealing to right now. As much as they've made progress, I still don't think it's a general consumer device. Yeah, it's definitely a nerd a nerd product. All right. Well, wait, if you wait, have, wait, 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 yeah, wait, one more rebuttal. I have one more rebuttal. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> and that's to Adam. And it's interesting that you mentioned what do you need your devices, your your um, detectors integrated to, because that's actually one of the things that Nest originally did with the works with Nest program was think through some logical connections that aren't just gimmicky, but make sense. So for example, one thing that used to work with the Nest smoke alarm, they would immediately power down your air system so that you're not feeding oxygen to a fire in the house. And so that if you have any sort of fossil fuel burning heating system, that you're also not adding literal gas to the flame, right? So keeping things to kind of keep the house safe. They also did things where you could have it flash lights in your home. Or if you had colored lights, turn lighting in an exit path red so it would clearly mark the way to get out. Also, easier to see in smoke with red light. So there are some things that you can do, but you really got to think about it. Right. right. Yeah, that makes sense. So, all right. Sorry. All now, good. Now I'll let you sing us out. All right. If you have a smart home question, you can send it our way with the hashtag AskSmartHomeShow, and we'll pick a question to include in each show. No, no I really hoped you were going to sing. Uh, no, okay. So TJ, again, thank you for joining us. And I, I guess kind of, I feel like I'm the one that joined you two because I kind of crashed your party and I'm glad I did. This yeah. has been a fun week, but TJ, tell folks about uh, how they can get your services or find out more about what you're up to. 
Yeah, so a couple different things. You can find my company at uh, connectu.tech, all, all spelled out there. Uh, we are based in Central Ohio. Hopefully that was a client calling. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> we're based in Central Ohio. We do home automation, Wi-Fi, and security for your house or business. At you least in all- a six-hour radius. That's right. Uh, you can you could also find me on the hometech.fm podcast with my co-hosts Gavin and Seth, uh, or you can find us on Mastodon hometech.social. All right, Adam, where are folks going to find you? I'm still the last remaining person on Twitter um, <laughs> at Adam Justice there, or you can find me on Mastodon at Adam at Justice.tech. I'm also on Threads at AM Justice there. You know, whatever, all the social medias. And uh, you can see uh, what my company's up to at connectsense.com. How about you, Richard? I am on Mastodon. And for the most part, that's it. I'm also on Instagram, but I'm mostly on Mastodon. And I am Richard Gunther, and so far, the only Richard Gunther. So I'm enjoying that while it lasts. If you want to reach out to the Smart Home Show, you can send us feedback. You can send us show ideas. You can talk to us at feedback at smarthome.fm and you can get our show notes and details about each episode at our website at smarthome.fm. And of course, this show is part of technology.fm, a collection of tech-focused podcasts that includes the Home Tech Podcast, my other podcast, Home On, and the Spoon Podcast. You can find us anywhere you listen to episodes, and if you like it, please leave us a rating, but more importantly, tell your friends about the show. Thanks a lot. Who didn't silence their phone, TJ? Sorry. (laughs) 